0: Tuesday night, I went to class, our Bruton Parker class, and one of the students that's been out there for years, taking everything, said, I enjoyed your church service Sunday. I said, well, I didn't see you there. He said, no, I watched your live stream and uh, watched the whole service. Suddenly, I was dealing with the reality that one of my students was evaluating me instead of me evaluating (laughs) this. I was a little uncomfortable about that. Uh, The next day, I went across the street to Piggly Wiggly and I was going through the line and the guy in head of me, not a church member, looked back and he said, Hey, I enjoyed your church Sunday. Um, watched it on live stream. And I said, I liked it so much I watched the evening service and I really liked your associate pastor and what he had to share. So uh, it's, it's out there. So if you're not tuned into that, you can figure out how to do that. I'm, slow, I'm at the, the back end of the technology curve. So I'm trying to figure out all this stuff, but I'm grateful for the, the team of people we have here at First Baptist that are working through those issues. It's going to be a great opportunity to minister to our own people. Nathan used to listen just to the audio in Korea of our services after the fact. And now it's going to be the potential of our our scattered people uh, being able to see something live or catch up later. And it uh, has the potential to influence folks outside the First Baptist family. So. Anyhow, it's kind of neat and has huge potential for the future. So we'll speak on a Tuesday night. We're going through uh, several books on the subject of preaching. And the best of them is Brian Chappell's book on Christ-centered preaching. And Brian is from up in St. Louis and was president of Covenant Seminary up there. And he makes a big deal in his writing on that, on what he calls the fallen condition focus, which... We won't spend the rest of the morning talking about what that is, but it reads, he's kind of summarizing some of that. And he says, preaching that is true to these purposes, what he's written for 30 pages, focuses on the fallen condition that necessitated the writing of the passage. And secondly, uses the text features to explain how the Holy Spirit addresses that concern. In other words, he's saying the long and the short of it is scriptures written to address where we are and the needs of the heart and the needs of life. Now we've been in about six weeks running here. We've been looking at family life passages, things that have to do with marriage and family life and parenting. Those passages are written to address where we live our lives in one way or another in our culture. It's not just necessarily a negative thing, like there's a a concern here that the Holy Spirit's addressing. In these passages, there's another dimension, and that is that the Holy Spirit is guiding us to God's ordained pattern for family life. God's got a plan. It's in marriage, it's in parenting, it's in being a parent, it's being a grandparent, it's being a child, It's, it's all through these passages. This is God's design for the core unit of society, the family. And you're all part of that in one way or another, plugged into that. And so these passages show us what God expects of us and calls us to and says, this is your opportunity to honor me and and be blessed by me in your lives. Here's my design, here's my pattern. So what I want you to do this morning is either follow on the screen or turn in your own Bibles uh, to scripture from Ephesians and Colossians. Uh, We slipped back from Peter and Paul last week to Luke and Malachi. Now we're going to return to the Apostle Paul. And he writes the book of Ephesians and the book of Colossians somewhere around 60 A.D. uh, And the time of his crisis and imprisonment. They're part of the prison epistles because he's writing from that kind of context. A challenging time of persecution of the church. But he writes in very practical ways to encourage the churches on how to live the Christian life. And a part of that, just a part of it, is family life. And so we've looked at Ephesians chapter 5. And if uh, you didn't share that with us, somewhere out there in the live stream world, you can go back and retrieve that. But we've looked at Ephesians 5 on marriage, and we come down into chapter 6, where Paul shifts gears into the role of parenting. Originally, I had it laid out to do Four verses from Ephesians and two from Colossians. And then I decided it's really two subjects are comparable or tied together subjects about the relationship of parents and children. And so what I want to do is split it and just look at the first installment of that uh, and uh, put it under the title of Homes of Honor. If uh, you have a home and all of you are part of a home, even if you're independent living singly, you you have come through life as a part of a family and one of the goals one of the missions of the church is to be in the process of putting together a collection of families that are homes of honor where God is honored Christ is Lord and people in the context of that family honor one another and live out God's will so Ephesians chapter 6 verse 1 There's a need, as Brian Chappell would say, that is being addressed here. Not necessarily a sinful, uh, bad thing, but uh, there's a need here in our lives that is being addressed in Ephesians 6, as Paul talks about children and parents. Ephesians 6, 1, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. This is right. You may remember if you were with us last week, we were talking about John the Baptist and his role of filling in in the Elijah role from Malachi. And when his father is told in the temple that he would be born, there's a promise given that this son of yours is going to turn the hearts of the fathers back to their children, and he's going to teach people how to think rightly. You remember that, some of you perhaps? uh, Implying that our, our thinking, left to its own, Without the influence of the Holy Spirit and the guidance of Scripture, our thinking is confused and distorted. And the role of John the Baptist was to turn people back to right thinking. The role of the Scriptures, especially the New Testament, is to turn us to right thinking. Well, here Paul, writing to the Ephesians and by way of Scripture to all the churches and to us, says, Children, this is right. If you want to know what's right in the mind of God, this is one element of what is right. Children, obey your parents. Uh, Come It's literally, you you take a Greek preposition that means under and the Greek verb akouo, which means to hear. That's where we get the word acoustics in English. Uh, Come under the hearing of your parents. But that doesn't mean you just hear them. It means you come under the authority of what they have to say you acknowledge the importance of their guidance in your life children come under the hearing of your parents and of course the exceptions immediately pop up and people begin to say but my parents this and that Paul says obey your parents in the Lord which is a great qualifier don't miss that little phrase in the Lord it's just really two words there uh The Lord's role in our lives is of immense importance in every aspect of what we think and what we do, how we respond to life issues. So it's a qualifier, which is uh, encouragement and comfort to us if, if things are not perfect. And you and I, from Genesis 3 to the present day until right this minute, live in a fallen world. Where there's a lot of sin and a lot of distortion of God's plan and a lot of confusion in our hearts and a lot of bad choices are being made and have been made and we deal with the consequences of those choices. So what Paul puts here as general principle we know is applied in a broken world. That fallen life principle that Brian Chappell was addressing in his preaching book. This comes to life in a world where people are not perfect. And there's not anybody in the room who had perfect parents. You might describe them that way and they may have approached that or on certain days they were the picture of that. But everybody had less than perfect parents and everybody here this morning grew up as a less than perfect child. Amen certainly true I know it's true in my case we grew up as less than perfect kids with less than perfect parents and less than perfect homes but somewhere in all of that God is trying to guide us toward the the highest ground possible uh, with the flood of turmoil and confusion uh, and sinfulness that's out there part of the fallen world around us the scriptures are guiding us to higher ground and so he says children kind of like when in chapter five, he talked to women. He called out with, you call it evocative women or wives. And then he talked to husbands. Here he calls out children, children, the children. Imagine the apostle Paul as our preacher. Wouldn't that be great uh, this morning? But imagine he's speaking to all of these groups and he calls us out one by one, whatever category we're in. He might say pastors, uh, but uh, whatever your role is, he might call you out. And so that role of children one way or another would include all of us but more actively today some of us more than others but he says children come under the hearing of your parents he means your own parents Uh, you are to be respectful of all kinds of people and there are other authorities in your life but this principle is directed at the child's relationship to his or her own parents obey them become obedient be obedient to them in the Lord with qualifications now when we were talking about marriage in Ephesians 5 I gave you a a list of exceptions I'm not going to give you a list of exceptions here you just apply some common sense but scripture is never going to require of you or call you to be obedient to direction that that leads you to something that's immoral or uh, unrighteous in any way So when you begin to come up with the exceptions, no, this is not a calling where you have to obey your parents, even if they're telling you to do something that you know is biblically wrong. So there are exceptions to this, uh, which is included in that in the Lord. But the general principle is in the home, children obey their parents. He says, for this is right. This is right. This is God's design. This works. This works. And I promise you, I bear witness from my own life experience as a child, as a parent, as a grandparent, as a pastor watching decades of church life. When this happens in Christian environment, it works. It really works. And the fruit of that is a blessing. But the general call to children is be obedient. Now, we say, well, that's New Testament. Uh, Is Paul coming up with this? Is he making it up? On his own, well, he, he repeats it in Colossians. T- before we look at uh, the rest of Ephesians, turn uh, to Colossians chapter 3, verse 20. Now, he just gives four verses on family life in Colossians. And we're looking at one verse uh, today and one verse next Sunday. But in Colossians three twenty, verse uh, Paul says, Children, be obedient to your parents in all things. Ver- all, very close to what he said to the Ephesians. He may have written both of those on the same day. There's no conflict between the two. They're they're saying the same thing a little differently. Children, be obedient to your own parents according to all things, or in all things, and all settings. Noting, of course, as I've already said, some exceptions when uh, higher moral principles are at stake. Be obedient to your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord when you do that it pleases god now again this is a christian home atmosphere and when good kids honor and obey good parents god smiles on that from heaven says that's my design that's the way i wanted it that's the way i like it that's the way i want it to be in the future this is pleasing well pleasing paul says to god so that ought to be a goal of our lives say well my kids are grown and I'm just I'm a great grandparent well if you are you still have the opportunity to pass these principles along to later generations you say well I'm, I'm not married and I don't have kids you're part of a church family and you have the opportunity collectively with the church to communicate these ideas to generations yet to come it's pleasing to God when God's people take God's ordained design for family life and apply it and so he says that the Colossians. Now back to the Ephesian passage. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 2. As it comes up on your screen you see that the first part of that is in all capital letters. And we've said many times uh, when that comes up in your written text or on the screen as we're using the New American Standard that means that's from the Old Testament. That's the New American Standard Translation's way of designating Old Testament scripture. And so the first part of verse 2 is and the second part is not. Now, the first part comes from Exodus chapter 20 and the giving of the Ten Commandments. 1400 years before Jesus, Moses receives the Ten Commandments and writes them down on tablets and communicates them to the nation of Israel. And they're passed along to us and they're still valid and they're still binding and they're still awesome and they're still a blessing. And number five on the list is honor your father and your mother. We can talk about what that means, a lot of different things, but it it has to do with how you revere them and you respect them, uh, how you respond to them, how you care for them, uh, how you interact through all the stages of life, the transitions of life. You honor your father and your mother. And then you see in parentheses there, Paul's comment, sort of like a footnote. Paul adds to that he's not trying to alter Old Testament scripture he's just trying to explain it to the church he says which by the way is the first commandment with the promise there were four commandments given in the Ten Commandments by the time you come to this and they all have to do with the individual's relationship to God and uh, here he's shifting to the practical matters of the Ten Commandments of our human relationships And he says, by the way, this one comes with a promise. Don't miss the promise. When God promises something, you don't want to miss it, right? You could think of all kinds of people that have the opportunity to encourage you or bless you or share with you. And if they promised you something, you'd be all about that promise and remembering the promise and holding them to the promise. And here comes God and and Paul says, God gave those words to you with a promise. So we ought to say, what, Paul? What is it? What, what's the promise? We want to make sure we know the promise. If it's a promise from God and it comes from the Ten Commandments, what's the promise? In verse 3 it says, so that it may be well with you. You might say, oh, is that all? Yeah, well, that's, that's immeasurably huge and glorious. So that it may be well with the. So that things will go well with your soul. What do you want? What could you possibly want that would be more important than that, than for things to go well with you in the center of the will of God, in the center of God's blessing? And Paul is pleading with the Ephesians. He's pleading with the Georgians by way of Scripture. Apply these things to your life, and it will go well for you. It really works, Paul is saying. And I, I would just affirm, I say it every week. It really, really, really does work. Apply these things to life consistently and it will go well with you. You'll find yourself pleasing God and working with His tools in your hand, in your heart, to guide yourself and your family towards God's purposes. He says, and that you may live long on the earth. All that's in capital letters. In other words, all that came from Moses in the Ten Commandments. And Moses, long, 3,400 years ago, Coming down from Sinai, pass the word to the nation. Do this and you'll be literally long-timed upon the earth. Now a lot of great people, some of the most godly people I've known in my own life, and the most godly people I've read about in church history died early and young, because sometimes because of their faithfulness to the scripture. They, they placed themselves into harm's way for the gospel. They dealt with persecution for the gospel, and they died early. But the general principle is people live long because they're applying God's principles to life. And Paul, quoting from Ephesians, says, that's the way it can be for you. And you can be long time, long time, long life, uh, as generally pictured in Scripture as a blessing. And uh, if you don't think long life is a blessing, wait till you or in your last day, and you'll decide, well, one more day would be nice. We spend fortunes to buy a few more days on earth. He says it will go well for you for a long time, and you'll experience in a fallen world where everybody else may be confused about you, you'll understand God's purpose for your life, and the blessing that comes from applying that on a daily, consistent basis. It really works, Paul says. It really works. I say. Now I want to make a few notes about children and parents. And we'll come back next week and see what Paul says to fathers in particular. It expands an application to parents. But we'll come back to Ephesians 6, 4 and the parallel passage in Colossians next week. But just looking at what we just read from Ephesians and Colossians. What does this say to us? Our honoring and our obeying is in the Lord. On a day when you're not particularly close to your parents, and you may be an adult with adult parents, and you may be exasperated by your relationship with them or not sure what to do about it, and you come back to the words of Scripture that say, honor your mother and your father. Now, when you grow up, some things change. When you become an adult, some things change. But there's this principle of honor, and it's in the Lord. And so you treat your parents the way you're supposed to treat your parents, in the Lord. It's a God thing. It's God's design. It's God's purpose. Uh, So, in the Lord's a tremendous phrase that Paul uses there. Second observation about it, as you become an adult, you take on responsibility for your own life. When that does not occur, that's a tragic thing. When you uh, come into adult age... And you've been taught and trained and educated and and opportunity given to you and you don't take up the responsibility of your own life. That's a sad thing. That's not the way it's supposed to be. You grow up and you come in that sense out from under the authority, out from under the hearing of your parents. You're on your own. You're directly accountable to God for your behavior and for your role of living out His purpose for your life. But some things are retained. And part of what is retained, as long as you have life and breath, is honor. Throughout your whole life, whether your parents are living or not, you are called to an attitude of honor. Now, I've done this before, but I invite you again this morning to, to follow me in this. You, you take your parents, and they may be living and they may not be. Your parents, my, my dad died... 12 years ago. I can't believe it's been that long. It's like he was here yesterday. But you take your parents uh, this morning and everything about your relationship and uh, connection to them through all the years, uh, anything that you might have a negative thought about or thinking about, I want to invite you to take that and give it to Jesus this morning. We're not going to have a ceremony or anything. We're not going to pass offering plates or anything. Nothing like that, but it's just in the quiet of your heart. And you may need to go home and spend a little time on this, but all that stuff that, that would uh, reflect your being hurt at some point in time or some injustice of the past or some big disappointment, I want you to just take all that and give it to Jesus. And then from this day forward, honor your parents. You can do that. I Trust me, I, I have seen it done. It works. You honor your parents as long as you have life. Sometimes you honor your parents even the most after they're already deceased because you can bear witness to the role they had in your life and the good things that were there because God ordained that they would be your parents. And there are things that you can be grateful for, but you honor them all the days of your life. When you're a small child, it might be as simple as yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am, or yes, sir, and no, sir or thank you, and and the little things that we teach our kids and grandkids when they're growing up. As you get older, it might be that you're just not embarrassed by them. Uh, You're proud of your parents. I can remember being a little guy and thinking my dad was cooler than everybody else's dad. I really thought that, and he kind of was. Uh, He was just happier about life. He was more positive about life. Uh, He was more encouraging about things. When me and my cousins wanted to do things, we went to him first because he was going to be positive about what we wanted to try to do. It was easy to, and then you get into those, those years where you, you, know, you kind of question everything and he uh, wasn't quite as cool in those years. He didn't change. I, I was changing. And then I, I came through that tunnel and out the other side and realized what a great dad I had and what a great mom I had and what great grandparents I had had. And the blessing that they were. And I wish I could go back and treasure that more along the trail of life. But you're called to honor your parents throughout your life experience. You don't have to, if you're an adult, you follow the Lord and your major decisions in life. If you're a child, you're under their hearing. But all your life, you honor them. Spending off of that, of course, is you love unconditionally. Do you love your parents unconditionally? Uh, When they're cool and when they're not so cool. When they're giving you what you want and when they're saying no, not now. Uh, When they're not doing exactly what you would write the script for. You love them unconditionally. Now and throughout the process. And you will do yourself a favor if you love and honor your parents. It will be good for them but it will be good for you also. Fourth possibility or opportunity is the process of honoring is not just superficial. Your words and actions are positive and negative. Deeply touch the hearts of your parents. My kids have been such a blessing to me. But I've seen a lot of folks break the hearts of their parents along the trail of life. And for all of you, in the stages and transitions of life. Never underestimate the potential of your life and your words to bless your parents or to break your parents' heart. And um, you all have seen that and you probably experienced that to some degree in your own experience. Be mindful of the impact of your life on your parents. Uh, You may crush them, you, you may break their hearts. Stop every now and then and just renew and refresh that relationship and give it back to Jesus and ask God to work through you to the highest possible healing and blessing in those relationships. The last thought is the highest honor to parents shows up in godly character in their children, especially when they're not around. You want a blessing, have someone else tell you about your kids and what they were doing somewhere else that you were unaware of. And I've been blessed by that a number of times. Uh, And Now I'm getting it even with grandchildren. Uh, And somebody comes and says, boy, I just love your son. Well, which one? Well, uh, that one, you know, and uh, they'll begin to describe some experience they had in recent days with one of them. Or somebody around here stops me and, and tells me what one of my grandkids did. What a blessing that is. It's a uh, a byproduct of homes of honor, and you want it, whether you're aware of it, that's what you want, it's what you need, it's what God has ordained, it's what God has planned for your life. We ought to want to win the ball game on Saturday and Sunday, and we ought to want to grow our assets and all the things that we do in life that have some importance, but above all of that, we ought to want to... Home of honor where people are treated with respect and unconditional love. And people are built up in Christ. And Paul's talked to women, wives, and husbands, and now children. And he's going to come back to fathers and what we look at next week. But he's pleading with us. Do it God's way. Just try God's way. You may have tried all kind of alternatives to God's plan for the family. And it breaks and it doesn't last for long. You can watch the cable channel of your choosing and you can see all kinds of example of the fallout of it not working well. God's design works well. God's design is our goal. Even when things have broken in the past, we still reach for that goal and say, Lord, help me to go as close back to that as I possibly can in this season of my life. That you would be glorified, relationships would be healed, people would be encouraged, and people would be growing in the things of Christ. And we ought to go out of these doors in about five minutes yearning for that to be true of our families. Through all the generations. Say, Lord, help that to not only be true in my home, help that to be the most important thing in my family. That our home, our family relationships will glorify you because we live by your principles for life. And you can do that, whether you've done that consistently up to now or whether you've never done that. You can go out of here in just a couple of minutes now and do that in your own life and see what God does with that. I want to ask you to bow your heads and join me in prayer. Father, we're grateful this morning that you've not left us directionless in darkness. And we do watch the news and we look around us and we see all kind of examples of that fallen universe. Brian Chappell was writing about that fallen culture that we are uh, compelled to live in and around. But we're grateful this morning that you've got a plan for salvation, for redemption, for drawing close to you. And you've got a plan for the home. Help us to learn what it is and what it means and how it applies and what we can do about the past what we can aim for in the future. Uh, We will not in our flesh instinctively aim to so high and noble a goals. Lord, we ask that your spirit would guide us and that our homes would glorify you and everything we think and say and do. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.